everybody. Welcome to Vague Zone. I am Daniel. Joining me as always is... Thomas. Uh, and today we are discussing Deadly Games, a.k.a. Game Over, a.k.a. 3615 Code Para Noel, a.k.a. Dial Code Santa Claus. It's got many, oh. many aliases for this fantastic Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh here let me pull up uh the IMDB description real quick. Yeah, pull up we're gonna pull up our discussion notes a little bit, but yeah, we're gonna do it vague first and then kinda dive in, get into spoil the territory and really unpack this 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 film because it's certainly one of a kind. It is ten out of ten. <laughs> uh yeah. so yeah, so real quick from IMDB. Uh, on Christmas Eve, a resourceful young boy has to defend himself and his grandfather from a killer dressed as Santa Claus. Um, so yeah, spoiler free, um, reactions to this movie? Uh, this is a perfect film. Yeah. 10 out of 10. <laughs> uh, it's a fucking dime. Uh, it's stacked. It's, uh, it's a thought. Yeah, let me <laughs> give the, the viewers a little bit of some detail. Basically, we have a really strange blend of like it's a pre-home alone for sure because this is 89 this is a pre-home alone like home yeah. alone type of movie with a mix of like bad santa with this very sadistic and odd villain this guy dressed up as santa just like slowly working his way towards this little kid i don't know how old he is but it's like this uh child's christmas like 10. yeah yeah he's like 10 years old yeah yeah they say specifically he's 10 because they're like yeah like why does he still believe i don't want to get too into it like why does he still believe in santa but yeah there is this little cat and mouse game that just plays out very realistically and it's very it's played very straight it's not really played for laughs there's some very hardcore like <laughs> like moments for this kid <laughs> and so yeah he, he just He's chasing Santa throughout, well, sorry, Santa's chasing him, and he has, like, this huge house to kind of run through, and this is mansion, and it's told from the perspective from this young genius with all these gadgets and toys, and it's a, yeah, it's just a very interesting Christmas movie. Uh, yeah, I think if you're looking for an atypical Christmas movie, like, people tend to fall onto uh, watching Die Hard, and they're like, oh, I watch Die Hard every year, because it's technically a Christmas movie. It's like, yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think I'm tempted to say this is better than Die Hard. I think uh, I think it's definitely as good. If it had Alan Rickman in it, it would probably push it over the edge. But, I, would, uh, I would definitely agree with that statement for the most part, just because of how eerie this movie is. And just like just the, the way the villain is just like kind of almost like a Michael Myers in a way where he's just like he just has like no dialogue and he's just like constantly creeping in the background towards this towards his victims yeah it's i i don't know if i say it's better than die hard but it's for, it's for sure in the conversation of I mean, all good alternative christmas movies that are like this is christmas but it's it's fucked up you know it deserves to go down as like this deserves to be recognized as a classic holiday movie and it's just really unfortunate that it doesn't have the audience that it deserves well my um, question is where did you hear about this Okay, so I think I heard about it on another show. Like, uh, Fantastic Fest, I think, screened it with the director. Um, the movie kind of disappeared for a long time. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know yeah. if there was, like... I don't know if there was, like, difficulty finding a print or what, but, like, the director re-released it. Alamo Drafthouse ended up screening it at Fantastic Fest. Gotcha. And then it became an issue of, like, 
who was going to get the rights to actually release it, like a physical release. Um, I think the American Genre Film Archive was, like, sitting on a copy for a while, uh, and they were, like, screening it, um, doing doing special screenings around the country. Huh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, 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 when I actually got this movie, I I bought a Blu-ray on uh, eBay that ended up being a bootleg, so that's how I originally saw it. But Uh, now you can watch it, now it's actually on Shudder, so it's getting digital distribution, which is good. Sweet, Uh, sweet. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just hope for the day this plays on Christmas Eve on TV so we can sit down by the fire and watch my boy Thomas <laughs> like just wreck this dude over and over again. Yeah, like immediately after watching it, I ended up buying a poster for it. And <laughs> good, good. It's sitting in our hallway right now. Emily, my wife, tells me that we can only have it up during the holidays but uh fair fair <laughs> but nothing else has replaced it so it's been up year round uh oh, <laughs> fantastic yeah so i won that one that's what that's good that's good <laughs> frame it cherish it make a, yeah it's make, framed make, make a shrine around it um yeah so what this movie is it's basically it's yeah it's it's die it's a diehard style movie it's it's home alone but taken seriously as a horror thriller so yeah, we and- have Actually, before we go forward, I wanted to mention on the Wikipedia they said there was some sort of issue with plagiarism. With uh, yeah, sorry, plagiarism with Home Alone because the director was just like, "Hey, like you basically remade my movie." Uh, I just wonder if that conversation ever like developed. If you probably know a little bit more about the movie than I do, but yeah. I I don't know that that ever went to court. But I know that he did accuse John Hughes of plagiarism. That's- uh, so that's super yeah. funny. This would be the best double feature to play this and Home Alone back to back. Yeah, I don't know what you would start off with. <laughs> uh, maybe Home Alone and then go back to this. Yeah. I, and then I would definitely throw Bad Santa in the conversation too because there is not quite a Santa as... I kept calling him Grimy Santa because he's just like very scary and the way that they like photograph him is just really well done. And Yeah, he's just like straight up a slasher villain and it's yeah, he's creepy as hell. Yeah, I remember, so yeah, the style of this movie, I watched a trailer of it, and it's, this this movie, it's, like, dealing with a lot of, like, I don't know, it's, everything is, like, very bluish, like, all of the lighting, and, like, everything's covered in fog. And yeah, I have a note, getting... I was like, it's super 90s, super French, like, it feels like, you know, just a really... It... <laughs> It feels like stereotypical 80s to me. Like, when okay, people yeah. think of, like, retro aesthetics. Uh, like, did you ever play a Far Cry Blood Dragon? No. But I, I think I okay. get what you're saying that. With like, but you know, or, yeah, where it's, like, reds and blues and, like, neon. And uh, this movie... I, I, when I first saw the trailer, I thought, like, okay, this is going to be kind of a cheesy movie that just, like, has a really cool aesthetic. And then when we put it on, I was just, like, dying to see it because the trailer is so good. But um, when we put it on, like, as the movie was progressing, I was like, wait a minute. This is actually just, like, so much better than I thought I was. Like, this is actually, like, a legitimately good movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it really took me by surprise. Um, Definitely. But, yeah. but, yeah, the aesthetic of this, they're, they're doing some interesting stuff where Thomas, the the little boy, our main character... He lives in this giant mansion, basically. Yeah, um, I, I joked mother- in the Purge episode about they, that family living in a mansion. This movie actually takes place in a mansion slash castle <laughs> yeah. fortress. There's yeah, there's like a room that apparently 
So his toy room, does the mother not know that that room exists? Yeah, it's, it's a seems... secret. It's it's just between the boys and the family. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like so all of the ancestors have passed down toys from generation to generation, and they're all occupying this room that the way the room is shot, uh, it almost feels like it just goes on forever. Like, you don't see the walls, really. It's just kind of like fog yeah that's totally uh, like a goonies vibe yeah the 80s thing is for sure on point with that yeah it's just very dreamlike and very surreal yeah and, and foggy and just like just rocking horses and random and like, when we get and when we get, sh- <laughs> and when we get shots from outside the house these establishing shots it's a a miniature that they backlight and like they pump smoke and like fog into the room so everything is just like in this haze i don't know okay yeah i'm glad you said that that was a miniature because the way yeah it's shot from the top i was like yeah this is like i like there's no way they have a production value to really like have a manor and like be sweeping all the way around it and just cover it in snow so yeah it has that like (laughs) that that hobbit vibe well i feel like what gives it away is like how would they backlight this like either they would get these giant fucking lights or they would just build a miniature and then backlight it and cut it together um yeah but, definitely yeah so so uh should we get into like the actual plot of the movie uh yeah i kind of mentioned my vague notes already and yeah it'd be great to kind of dive into it because i'm really curious what you think about kind of the the beats of this movie because it's 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 really good so yeah getting into the plot of this movie the movie opens on a snowball fight and it's just all these street kids and we get this creepy looking dude who becomes our santa in the movie uh and he just wants to play with them and they say like oh you're not part of our gang whatever uh and he he walks away upset and then from there so we get our introduction to the santa character from there we cut to our before you go on, I just wanted to mention, like, uh, I think the kids are very smart there, because he has this yellow <laughs> scarf, and I, like, I don't know, I'm a really color-driven person when it comes to, like, themes and movies, and I was just like, okay, that's danger, you were smart children. Oh. Yeah, you were smart Ye- children. Yellow scarf is a, is a symbol of danger? Well, I think the color yellow in, is, in general, kind of, like, warning, kind of, like, be aware. Mm. It's, it's definitely not, like, a, wel- a welcoming color, as far yeah, as I Yeah, like gonna... a yellow light, I guess. Yeah, like, yellows and reds. Uh, well, for Christmas... The greens and the reds are like, oh, this is family, this is tradition, but I don't know. When I it see... is interesting that he goes from yellow to red when he becomes Santa Claus. Definitely, yeah. He makes his transformation, like, and it's it's a rough one, too, because the, well, the kid just does not like him at all, but that's a little further down. But yeah, in the beginning, that was like one of the first things I saw. I was like, he has this yellow scarf on. I'm like, yeah, he's like not really blending in with the Christmassy kind of snowy vibe he's, he's like literally already sticking out and i was like all right this is our guy and yeah and i appreciate that he's very quiet he just starts throwing snowballs very <laughs> sincerely but then they just like all run away and i was just like all right you kids are smart this guy's a killer yeah. and then uh so from there we get introduced to thomas our character our little boy character yeah and uh he's hanging out in a plane right <laughs> with uh his dog and in the toy room dreaming yeah dreaming of sounds of war battles and air fights yeah and so like i think his mom calls him for breakfast or something but like he we get like an eye of the tiger montage where it's it's literally playing like a rip off of eye of the tiger that sounds like 
it sounds like it's being sung by a guy who actually doesn't speak English, but like he like lied on his resume to get the job or something like that. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> like that's what it sounds like. He's just so, totally. Like... Well, yeah, the soundtrack in this movie is fucking phenomenal. Just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I actually linked to it in uh in our notes. So we could uh, add a little bit to the end of the episode or something. Totally. But yeah, that, that <laughs> intro song, I was like, yeah, this is like a ripoff, but kind of ch- cheesy on the nose. Like, okay, like, we're just going to take this entire Rocky sequence and just give it to this little kid who's like preparing for this war. Well, have you seen Commando? Uh, no. no. The Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Actually, because seen there's Com- a no. montage in Commando that is like basically this scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger's gearing up, but here it's Thomas, it's this little boy, and he's got, like, a toy knife that he puts in a sheath, and he, uh, is, like, putting face paint on and attaching grenades to himself, and I think there's even, like, a shot of him, like, working out, and they, like, they must have sprayed him with mist or something, so he's, like, all glistening, and, which is, like, a little weird to see a child glistening in a movie like this, working out. Yeah, the, um, I, the note I put down, the sharpening of the knife shot was really specific. So he's just oh, like, yeah. It goes from like his shoulder all the way down. I was just like, okay, he's like the Stallone in his world, obviously. And he's even got like a mullet. Like this kid's yeah. hair is incredible. Yeah, yeah, the mullet. <laughs> this so kid's good. hair is like a character. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, it's he's just running around the house. He's playing soldiers. There's war sounds coming over the intercom. He has his own like tape of war sounds. And, uh, we sort of like introduce some gadgets that will come up later in the movie. Like he, um, has these ninja stars that are made of Velcro that he throws at his dog and he opens up a trap door and the dog falls like yeah. into a net somewhere in the hallway. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that f- opening sequence is really cool because I like the way they reveal. Because I was under the impression it was a fantasy sequence because he's dreaming and he's inside the plane or like I guess that's his bed and he's hearing sounds of like war and like fighter pilots like you know dog fighting or whatever. And then he's doing this whole sequence and painting his face and then we hear like sa- battle sounds and everything. I'm like, okay, is this gonna be like a fantasy thing? But then he goes downstairs and he has like a speaker and like JBC's plugged up and he like turns everything off and pulls the tape out. And I was like, okay, cool. Like like they kind of push the genius, smarty, brainy aspect of his character in that little moment. And I, I was like, okay, this guy's smart. He's got it all linked up. And the technology in this movie is really interesting because he has like a command over it. And there's some really like kind of cheesy 80 moments where he's just like hacking or like kind of not hacking, but looking into the, the computer system. I'm just like, wow, oh, this, yeah. is, this is from a, a bygone era for sure. Yeah. I always love when we see like how computers are represented in movies like in jurassic park when it's like the 3d layout of the whole park and stuff yeah definitely and this looks kind of like that it's very clunky like polygons and just like <laughs> he's just like talking to his dog he's like yeah i got the, like my computer thing hooked up it's like okay this is like super whimsical and super upbeat and so yeah just like the the tone kind of shifts and so the introduction is super sincere which i like a lot yeah and so then from there we go into um we kind of introduce the family dynamic like he he wakes up his grandpa in bed and then they go to have breakfast and uh it's it's we're shown that like the grandpa has a hard time seeing he's he's probably legally blind uh, everything is a blur i don't think he wears glasses does he wear glasses no no glasses but he's and then um he's a diabetic diabetic grandpa who has like basically no vision yeah and so thomas is like helping take care of him uh, the mom is like a businesswoman. She works for this company called Printemps, 
there doesn't seem to be any dad in the picture and yeah that that's basically what the family dynamic is here yeah and there's a little kind of side mention of like this new boyfriend kind of character is disliked by thomas and he like has a cute moment later where he's like messing around with this car and he's like if i can get be able to drive i won't like you know mommy won't need a chauffeur to take him to work and i was like oh like you're kind of misinterpreting the the relationship a little bit and a little bit uh, i thought that was really adorable yeah so from there we cut to uh his business mother goes to work uh we establish that she's like dating her colleague yeah. and she tells everyone in like a boardroom meeting that she wants uh the business print temps she wants all the stores to like really lean into christmas and like hire a bunch of santa clauses and hire jugglers and i don't know maybe fire breathers and all sorts of shit like that yeah to which they reply yo it's actually christmas day <laughs> We're supposed to do <laughs> yeah. This. <laughs> yeah uh and so, and so we find out the way they do it which is basically uh they end up hiring homeless people <laughs> uh, yeah. or at least i got the vibe that the santa our, our Santa villain was like a, a vagrant or something. I, I don't know necessarily know that. Yeah, but, I, um, I kind of interpreted like, yeah, it's a wide net. They're just trying to get some people in the building to make these sales happen. And then, that, you know. And then, so uh, yeah. And so we cut back to uh, Thomas and his buddy at, at, at the house. His buddy, uh, Pilo or Pilo. Yeah. Uh, I think they're it's in Pilo, like a, yeah. yeah, they're in like a Santa Claus chat room. Uh, and Pilo, Pilo's reading all the signs here. He's like, th I think this is like a kinky message board. Like, you need to get out of here. Like, what if this guy is lying to you? And the guy on the other end is basically saying, like, I am Santa Claus. Like, I want to play with you. What's your address? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the other kid kind of gets it immediately. Also wrote down, I, pre I liked his uh, Ferrari hat. <laughs> I just thought that was a very good wardrobe decision. Wait, who has the far right hat, Pilo? Uh, uh, yeah, his friend. While they're like on the on the point Minitel, <laughs> like doing this whole text thing, and yeah, I just like the I forget. Yeah, so Thomas has like the dope mullet, and then yeah, his friend had the Ferrari hat, and I was like, yeah, these kids are the coolest kids in all of Paris or all of France for sure. Or they're like the richest kids in all of Paris. Yeah, that's one thing I need like want to ask about a little bit later on. Is like, yeah, like. Who exactly is the audience for this movie? Because this kid is super rich and is living in this like fantasy world, and I was just like, this doesn't seem like the type of you know ten year old. That's like not even Richie Rich level. It's like another level. It's just like he's a genius and he's also rich. <laughs> it's just like crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's something I thought about too. Is like because on one hand I could see like if I was a kid and watching this I could see it almost being a wish fulfillment thing where it's like oh this kid has all the gadgets I wish I had and yeah. this kid is uh you know as empowered like he's fixing a car later in the movie like parents don't let you do that <laughs> like as I wish I was empowered and, and then you know? drive off with it too <laughs> yeah he's fucking joyriding with his grandpa I was like he's so um, cool like this kid is too cool <laughs> yeah this kid's living the dream and so it's like what age is this movie appropriate for because eventually it takes a turn where it's no longer fun and games uh oh game over yeah yeah, yeah. it, it, <laughs> it like, is deadly the, games it ups the stakes in like two very like specific ways that are like just oh just super good yeah but, so, before, uh, before, but before we go in there yeah i just think asking the question like who is this christmas movie for because it's like it's oddly sentimental at sometimes but it's also very brutal and like 
a very hard coming of age story for this kid. I was just like, is he just gonna turn into like a military general after this? Like I was just like, what is this kid gonna be after this like traumatic night? Yeah, I actually wrote down uh, that Bible quote where it's, when I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. <laughs> that is, that should be the tagline for this movie. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so but, yeah, uh, there. Start with one too, where it mentions something about like, uh, like kids growing up and like once they're at a certain point, like they stop asking questions. Isn't that like a? It said a, a it card? said something. It said something like. Uh, Children believe in magic yeah. unless, I think, unless they've like had hardships that make them realize the lack of value or something along those lines. Like that's certainly not the quote. It's much more graceful than what I just said. Totally, but I think but that was sort of the sentiment. Yeah, that was another part of the introduction where I was just like, okay, like this is kind of setting up to be like a folk tale kind of vibe, and I was just yeah, just kind of blown away by the direction it eventually took. Uh, but yeah, getting back into uh, the plot. Yes. Uh, yeah, Pilo and Thomas chatting with Santa Claus. Turns out it's uh, the guy from the beginning of the movie who was playing, um, who was having a snowball fight with the kids. He is on what looks like some sort of public internet booth, and uh, he's creeping on these kids. Um, Gosh, and do we ever get it? The uh, do we ever get his name? I don't see it on. I don't think uh, we get his name. I think he's referred to just as Santa Claus. Okay. So, yeah, I wrote him down uh, as gr- Grimy Santa is, is my notation for him. Yeah, so so we get some more just like Thomas hanging out around the house. He's fixing the car, like we said. He's setting up security cameras around the house because he's a computer genius. Um, he, he actually syncs the cameras to his, like, he has this little computer attached to his wrist so he can observe all of the cameras while he's on the go yeah um very important later pretty nifty (laughs) yeah he he has some really rad gadgets honestly and then uh the santa claus creepy santa he goes to uh thomas's mom and he gets a job as uh, santa claus at one of her stores um yeah and i think it's kind of worth noting how he kind of creeps into that decision is like he's definitely like longing for a connection obviously and and, like looking for something on this particular day and he's like walking past a department store and he sees someone else like dressed like santa and he's like hugging people and he's like getting super close and he he like walks up really close to this other santa and then like there's like a weird moment where i'm like is there gonna be an interaction here and then he just like goes into the department store and i was like okay maybe just like just like okay i'm gonna be like this warm fuzzy character i don't know that's it seemed like the decision was a very deliberate kind of thing where he just looked at this other person getting all this affection and was like i want that yeah it seems like yeah he's really in need of affection particularly affection from children it seems like yeah Uh, yeah definitely uh so yeah he gets this job as santa uh he's out on the street he's you know doing a santa claus thing a little girl is sitting on his lap and he's like I feel like it's like a pretty extended scene where he's like looking at her eyes and like rubbing her face and stuff yeah, like yeah. this. And yeah. then, um, yeah, very creepy, very creepy. She says something like that she doesn't like the way he looks and that he he's a false Santa and she like de beards him. Which yeah, which is... yeah, and then he fucking smacks her. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that scene is really rough because yeah, the, this other person comes up and is just like, hey, what's kind of going on, and then. 
the little girl's like my or the child well, it's, is like it's the mom who comes up it's uh thomas's mom julie he, yeah yeah it's thomas's mom that comes up so it's established like yeah this small child her actual parents are kind of out shopping somewhere so yeah that whole the way it kind of plays out was like this is like really sketchy and like yeah thank thankfully that's like the the shining moment of the mom in this movie because she kind of gets shoved to the side for the rest of it yeah the the whole thing with the mom and her boyfriend is kind of weird because her boyfriend keeps popping up throughout this movie and i feel like you can kind of just cut him out like yeah that's the only downside everything else is like great and super entertaining and like super pulpy but yeah that whole part was like okay just a little bit on the slow it's like maybe they just felt like they needed to give the mom more stuff to do so they introduced this other character i don't know yeah i like the scene where he the santa like overhears the conversation in the office and then he like he like, he, like walks in and he's like about to approach him and gets the information and walks out his yeah. Crim- his criminal sense was very eerie and definitely like like I say it reminds me of like a, a Michael Myers kind of just like always creeping yeah so yeah he gets fired and then he wanders into this office and he overhears uh, Roland Julie's Julie's boyfriend Thomas's mom's boyfriend uh, it, he's trying to uh, coordinate a delivery of gifts to to Thomas's house, and so that's yeah. how our Santa Claus figures out Thomas's address. And he's like, "All right, I'm going to go get revenge on this woman who just fired me. Uh, I know there's a little boy at home." <laughs> yeah, and it's actually that the letter that Thomas wrote and gave to the mom earlier in that uh, early in the movie, and then it kind of leads to a conversation about like, why does he still believe in Santa Claus, and like, like is this normal for him to kind of still believe at this age, and the mom is totally supportive of it and she's actually like that's something she mentions to the people in the meeting she's like there's a reason why we're doing this because like i think she wish says that like people didn't believe like people did believe in santa a month ago or like they didn't believe like she's just like the way she words it is really per- uh, particular uh how long did did you believe in santa claus when you were a kid yeah i definitely did and then there was a very clear point i don't know if i was it was before 10. Uh, it's a little hazy, but yeah, my uncle, he dressed up as Santa Claus for like our, our Christmas Eve kind of parties. And so it was always just like, oh yeah, like uncle so-and-so disappeared for like an hour or two. And then when he came back, so it was like, you put the, put the dots together. Yeah. You kind of figure it out. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know if I was 10. I feel like I might've been like six or seven by the time I figured that I like it's so long ago though like I I could be completely wrong and completely false uh my niece and nephew they're I think they're nine now uh we still have them doing Santa Claus and I I don't think they actually believe but what we do is because uh you know we're Mexican uh we open gifts Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. and uh they're half they're half white their father's white so what we do is we say, oh, we do Mexican Santa, and then we do just not regular Santa. So nice. Christmas Eve, we're like, oh, these are from Mexican Santa, and we let them open all their gifts on Christmas Eve, and then they open the rest of their gifts on Christmas Day. That's awesome. Uh, that's that's and, that's and they seem to love it. So yeah, that's like for yeah for the viewers that don't know, I'm black. Yeah, and so my uncle he'd be like this really super dope black Santa Claus and you know there'd be James Brown playing in the background I'd be like this feels, awesome. I was like this feels just like I'm hanging out with like, like my uncle and so it was always a really warm and dope environment so yeah I mean 
I, I agree with like the sentiment of kind of giving that spirit. I think that's a really valuable thing. And I, so yeah, I agree with the sentimental side of Christmas and Christmas movies. And I don't know, I think that's a really good thing. And so it's interesting to see this movie kind of acknowledge both sides and be like, okay, it's, yeah, it's sentimental, but there's also a cynicism to it where his friend is like, you're dumb. He literally calls him retarded. He's like, yeah, like, like you're like retarded if you think that Santa exists. And I was like, damn, that's rough. Yeah. And then that boy ends up encountering Santa Claus a little down the line. So yeah, he, he finds out Santa is very real and very dangerous. Um, so yeah, so Santa, he gets fired. He finds out Thomas's address. Uh, he goes to, uh, yeah, he like ends up killing the delivery guy the guy who's supposed to deliver gifts to thomas's house and like takes his truck yeah he like i guess he sneaks into the truck the truck goes to the mansion and then he hops out and then kind of takes over the role yeah and so while this is happening thomas is preparing for santa claus because thomas thinks that like with all of his uh his cameras all over the house he'll be the first one to spot spot santa uh yeah, and that also ties into, yeah, the note we just were on. We're like, yeah, he believes that Santa exists, and he wants to capture him and prove to everyone else that he does exist. And he even has a little line when he's talking to his dog. He's like, maybe I should just, like, instead of filming him, maybe I should just capture him. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> just like, dang, like, this guy's ruthless. Yeah, and then, um, so Julie calls the house, Thomas's mom, and she's surprised he's still up. She tells him... Uh, he needs to go to bed because if he sees Santa, Santa will turn into an angry ogre. Yeah. And uh, our our vagrant Santa Claus uh, go, goes to this caretaker's house. Uh, there's some caretakers who live outside the Thomas property because they're so rich they have caretakers, I guess. Um, yeah, actually... I uh, might have missed that. I thought they lived in the mansion with them, but I guess they're in their own little separate... Yeah, I think they... Yeah, had, like, a little separate living situation. Because okay. there's a scene later where Thomas is, like, looking out of a window, and he sees... Maybe it is attached to the house. I, I assume it's a separate thing. Okay. Um, but, yeah, we get Santa Claus is in the caretaker's house. We don't see the caretakers. We can... we can, I think we could safely assume they're dead. <laughs> uh, and he's has one of those cans of... Um, like the fake snow that you spray on the windows <laughs> when you're yeah, like yeah. writing stuff and he's spraying all of his hair with it and have you ever used one of those before yeah actually only once we did it one year and it was like this is some uh, a very strange type of chemical kind of similar to silly string but a little bit more fluffier and i don't know christmas products are strange they only come around once once a year they don't get tested very often <laughs> And the smell is so strong that I feel like yeah. that shit has to be toxic. And he's, like, oh, spraying oh, it all over Most definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's actually one of the things I want to note. There's a lot of good head-on, like, just straight profile shots of this villain Santa. And that's one of my favorites is when he's, like, spraying it on his, like, beard. And he's just, like, getting in his hair. And he's just, like, getting more excited and more convinced as the transformation is actually, like, really convincing yeah. when he gets all white on the beard and face like it's it's fucking so good like he's like one of the more striking visual santas in movies i've seen like like i kept thinking about billy bob thornton but this guy seems like he's just much more like 
just the curliness and just the skinniness of him is just uh, just he's just like giggling the whole time isn't he yeah yeah he's just like yeah kind of just like cackling he's very joker like (laughs) yeah this movie actually inspired uh the joker yeah this is todd phillips favorite movie (laughs) yeah um and then so we get thomas he's hanging out under in the dining room i think like under the table out next to the fireplace he's just like waiting for santa to come and we see these uh boots drop down in the in the fireplace and the way the scene is shot it's it feels magical like we're getting like a slow zoom in on thomas as his face is like his face is lighting up like a christmas tree yeah and... like they yeah they switch up the lighting and make it very very like showy and it's already kind of compounded on the fact that it's shot like a soap opera so it's already very yeah like, it's like a barbara hazy. walters shot or something. yeah yeah it's super hazy and then like and when he's under the table and it's just like blue light <laughs> it's like a snow globe yeah everything is beautiful and then now we get into like the major spoilers <laughs> yeah it, it was a journey to get here but but yeah so spoiler territory santa shows up jr thomas's little dog who's been like his sidekick throughout all this uh attacks santa claus santa claus grabs a some sort of like serving knife off the dining room table and yeah it's like for stab- like pie or something <laughs> yeah and he stabs jr to death right in front of thomas and thomas True. is quiet the whole time like he can't say anything he doesn't want to give away uh, that he's under the table by the way um, you're you're like f- a little fuzzy right now i don't know how clear i am but you're just coming in a little fuzzy you're very like, clear okay but yeah i i like love this sequence a lot because it's shot from thomas's perspective on the like under this table and so when santa's coming down like we only see like waist down and so we like we yeah. see like the boots and the and, like the red you know the pants and then like the sack of presents and everything kind of like canoodling around and then, like you say, the dog comes up, like, my boy JR comes in and starts <laughs> nagging on, I don't know if it's uh, his sleeve or his, like, pant leg. I think he, he yeah, start, grabs his sleeve, maybe. Yeah, he's, like, nugging on the sleeve, and then, like, Thomas is under there, and just like, uh-oh, like, this is, like, it's getting bad. And then, yeah, he grabs the, like, the serving knife and then just stabs him with one, like, concise stab and just, like, ends the dog. And it's just yeah. a very heavy moment. And I, I literally wrote down, I was like, this is... <laughs> Like this movie's Jaws moment, kind of like okay, like we need a bigger boat. Like the stakes have been raised. Jr's dead. Like we have to be an adult now. Like we're no longer a ten-year-old optimistic French lad. <laughs> now, now we're like actually turning against st- yeah. Stallone. <laughs> so yeah, we were actually watch. I think the first time we watched this movie, we watched it with um, our neighbor Carrie. And as soon as the dog got stabbed, she was like, "I can't watch this." <laughs> she like <laughs> yeah, she like walked out. <laughs> understandably because yeah like puppy violence is is not very yeah easy it's to hard start especially like as, she has a dog and she loves it so yeah as actually i was watching an american dad episode before we were talking that where that's kind of like one of the jokes very like, similar is, yeah and i was like this is just not very fun to laugh at because i don't like laughing about these things <laughs> and seeing it was even worse yeah especially like on christmas eve and it's one of those moments where his character goes to a, a definite change where yeah he starts up in his ante a little yeah, bit well, more the whole movie shifts at this point like yeah yeah definitely absolutely. because from now on from for like the rest of the movie we are confined it, it's a cat and mouse game it's uh it's the home invasion cat and mouse horror 
Um, yeah. Occasionally, there's like some shots of the mom kind of calling in or other characters doing everything else outside the house, but the core of the movie inside the mansion is just like this very in- interesting fun house kind of just, yeah, home alone, booby trap, technology, weird dream vibe. And I think a lot of the cuts to the mom, I think what it's trying to do is it's trying to establish, like, a timer. Like, so, it's like, okay, she, the mom figures out something's wrong because they're not answering the phones. Like, you know, Santa Claus cuts the phone lines. Um, and she's like, all right, I'm going to head home. And so now we've established this timer where it's like, can she get home in time to help the family? What if she gets home and she can't help the family? Because I think Thomas even mentions, like, you know, if it's too dangerous for us, it's too dangerous for her. She needs to come with reinforcements, he tells the grandpa. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, the rest of the movie is, it's, uh, you know, Santa has cut the phone lines, and now Thomas and grandpa are trying to evade the Santa Claus uh, throughout the property. Um, so, yeah, and it's, actually, I think yeah. it's worth noting how kind of close call, like, there's a lot of close calls and how intimate the kind of interactions get because there's some moments where they're kind of distant and there's clearly a lot of space, but I wrote down, um, the scene with the car. Uh, I don't know how, yeah. Yeah. I that, think it's like one moment. of the next scenes. Uh, yeah. as soon as it's, as soon as this chase starts, they like, yeah. uh, they navigate to the garage where Thomas fixed up the car earlier. And I really feel bad for the grandpa because like Thomas, leads grandpa into the car and grandpa can't see shit he doesn't know if like this is all in thomas's head if he's playing a game until they try to turn on the car uh the car like won't start it was it was performing fine earlier when thomas fixed it but like they can't get it moving and santa claus finds a sledgehammer and he just starts beating the shit out of the car and so that's when it comes you know to realization for grandpa that like oh this shit's actually happening I gotta say, and also in this scene has my favorite shot of the movie when they're inside the car and he turns on the lights and then he's just like standing there in the headlights. Like that is, it's kind of cheesy, kind of like super slashery, but it was effective. Yeah, it's kind of like a classic <laughs> horror movie moment. Definitely. It's like, it's like, the, it's like when uh, the guy, is he's looking in the mirror and then he puts his head down and he looks back up and there's somebody else in the mirror now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for... I don't know, the way that this particular Santa looks and just kind of him in that glowing blue light, I, I don't know. It just, it, it worked. It was very effective. And I was going to say, have you ever played uh, the more recent Resident Evil 7? The one that I was have just not. Like... Okay. I haven't played I any, I haven't finished the first one. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have definitely morphed and changed a lot over the years, but yeah. the one I was referencing has a scene similar to that where they're in a car kind of in a smaller confined space where they're like mm-hmm. trying to get the car to work <laughs> like just yeah so the tables kind of turn and i just like yeah he's just wailing on this car and like breaking the windows he like grabs this massive piece of metal and just like shoves it through the windshield and yeah yeah it's just it's, it's tense super tense all right so yeah over the course of this cat and mouse game uh santa claus and thomas are like having an altercation uh thomas gets stabbed in the leg yeah yeah he gets stabbed and so yeah that's why he's like on the ground like literally bleeding and he screams out like just run away and it's yeah yeah and so so following that we get this like awesome montage of uh thomas like he's getting ready to do battle like enough's enough you know 
and so he we get him tending to his wounds he like yeah. um, <laughs> pours like alcohol onto like a pad and like puts it on his uh his stab wound i think he's like even biting down on a belt and stuff and correct me if i'm wrong is this the first time we hear the christmas song by like the main christmas theme playing is it the uh the one that plays during the end credits yeah is this the first time where we hear it where it's like the slow like chris like the bonnie tyler yeah yeah i mean if it is that's this song's incredible and we're we're gonna we should close the show with that song yeah definitely have it play from the credits uh but yeah he like disassembles a chair and like makes a splint out of it we get a shot of him like carrying jr's body through like a hallway and he's crying and then (sighs) yeah yeah it's super heavy and he like buries buries his dog outside and like ties the knife on like this post and it's like gives him this great doesn't he stab the knife into the into the ground on the grave i thought it was like a samurai grave no, it, well, it's like a piece of wood with the knife on it, right? I thought that's what it was like, like making a cross. I thought that's what the image was. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like some ghost of Tsushima shit where he's just like, this is a fallen soldier. And it was just super heavy. And yeah, it played very dramatic in the montages. Him crying and like weeping and then like burying this, his friend. And yeah, it's very, very, very dramatic. And then so, yeah, he like shifts from like from that into like battle mode and now he's like he's setting traps he's he has those uh velcro throwing stars and he like turns them into a velcro tracking device that he plans to throw at santa he makes um flaming darts i think uh he makes like a trip wire that will like shoot darts into uh, an adult's adult-sized person's neck probably (laughs) um and he also empties firecrackers into these plastic grenades and i think he puts marbles in them too as like shrapnel yeah Um, yeah he makes like a mortar or something so yeah definitely a different approach than uh, okay so home alone those are pretty deadly traps too uh he never made a grenade but he you could kill a and, yo, with a and Kevin hand. McAllister never got stabbed or anything like that either. <laughs> like, who who would win, Kevin McAllister <laughs> or Thomas? Yo, Thomas would definitely win because I, he is clearly smarter and more capable. Like they say, uh, it's like with Batman with preparation time. He's like, if you give him some preparation time, and you're done. So I think. But like Thomas. Kevin McAllister <laughs> did take on two wet bandits. Uh Shoot, wasn't I, one I haven't seen Home Alone in forever, but wasn't one like incredibly stupid? Like, isn't, I, mean, I like, think they're both kind of incredibly stupid. Like, isn't one like of Joe, them is, Pe- Joe Pesci's capable, and then his homie is just like an idiot. Yeah, Daniel Stern was the dumber. He was the sub. Uh, Joe Pesci yeah. was the dom. Um, <laughs> Who's the Tom? Who's the Jerry in this situation? <laughs> uh, well, I think. Hmm. Well, I, I, Kevin is Kevin is the Jerry, right? Jerry's yeah, sorry, the Jerry's wrong, the wrong, mouse, right? Wrong reference. Wrong reference. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh yeah. So Grandpa is like hiding in a suit of armor during all this. Like and, they decide that that's. I, do we ever see him putting them on any of these montages? Because that was one thing I was like, okay, if you're gonna kind of, I think we just, deta- I think we cut to Thomas like downstairs and he's like talking to Grandpa, and then the camera pans over and we realize that Grandpa's in the suit of armor. 
yeah, that's my only like little bit where I was like, okay, I, I, w- I wish I would have saw a little bit more of that setup because it's totally fantastic. And I think the way that they play it out is like particularly interesting because yeah, he like like falls over and like it's like this insulin thing where it's like he's kind of trapped in this like suit of armor and it's just like okay like how do you even yeah. get in there but yeah it's it kind of works out for just like the the dreamy surrealness of it where he that's the only place for him to hide it's kind of in plain sight and so the police are called the the cops show up santa deals with the cop uh we don't it happens off screen but um santa claus is chasing thomas outside through like the snowy trees and Thomas trips over the cop's dead body, finds his revolver, and then shoots Santa Claus in the leg. Uh, yeah. It's not a kill shot, but uh, it's enough for Thomas to get away. And so Thomas gets away. He has the insulin. He gives the grandpa the insulin. And for a long time, it feels like grandpa's just dead. Yeah. Uh, he's not I was res- convinced when, he, when the whole thing fell over, when the suit of armor falls over, I was like, oh, dang, like, that's he's going to open it up and he's just going to be kind of out cold, but he kind of brings him back and they even have that cheesy, like him beating on the chest moment. Oh yeah. Crying. And I was like, love will bring you back to life. Yeah. So many, like (laughs) so many tropes. Um, Like maybe it's just like this thing where this kid has just been taught from watching so many action movies. Cause he has like action. Yeah. I think he even has a commando poster in his room. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I'm fine with that if that's what kind of what they're going for. Is like he's just influenced by this pop, and so. And yeah, it's like, he, what yeah. what year was Commando? Because it feels that was only 1985. Like this movie sort of feels like it's kind of doing a throwback thing, where it's it's referencing, like like it has the Commando montage, and it feels like it's referencing it in a nostalgic way. But this only came out like four years later. Yeah. You know? So I guess it was I like know. a contemporary parody. Hey, yo, those French, they're ahead of the curve. You never know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Santa Claus shows up. He's looking like shit. Uh, Grandpa crawls to the police revolver. He's aiming it. Santa, Santa's, like, going after Thomas. Grandpa's aiming the revolver, and we're seeing, like, a first-person perspective of what Grandpa sees. Once yeah, again, so it, he's basically blind. Yeah, this, and then one of the really great things this movie does is it sets this up throughout the movie where at the very beginning he's like trying to just get his insulin and drink the cup at breakfast and you know he get the pov is super blurry and then a little bit later on you know he's like doing walkie talkies with thomas and he's like i couldn't find the button sorry like I, i was trying to reply to you but i just i couldn't see the button so clearly he's just like his his vision is incredibly bad and so yeah we get to see that from his pov and so it finally pays off at the end when he's like grabbing for this gun and so yes yeah, brilliant check off moment and it kind of looks like he's gonna he might shoot thomas <laughs> yeah yeah he's just like aiming he's like yo duck and yeah it's just it's it's really well done and so yeah that particular payoff was really satisfying to see so yeah grandpa pulls the trigger uh the mom and her boyfriend burst into the house and it's just they just see grandpa chilling on the ground roland roland the mom's boyfriend goes to help grandpa the mom runs to thomas and thomas is just completely traumatized he's sitting over santa claus's corpse <laughs> yeah he's essentially shell-shocked like this yeah is, this he's is, like not really more. he's not blinking much during this scene i noticed that's yeah that thousand mile stare he is he is seen 
seen the absolute worst of humanity as far as he's concerned. And we're hearing like uh, lines of dialogue that have occurred through the movie of like uh, his friend being like, oh, Santa Claus doesn't reel. And of his mom saying, oh, if you see Santa Claus, he's going to turn into an angry ogre. And Thomas just looks at his mom and he says, it's my fault, mom. I wanted to see Santa Claus. And so he blames himself for all this shit that has happened and that is how the movie ends (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that is the lesson we have on christmas eve (laughs) yeah don't look at santa and then and then we cut to the bonnie tyler song (laughs) yeah which is just a crazy song i don't know if we'll be able to use it fully but yeah that's it's it's such a great and on the nose but also just like just ridiculous christmas song when attached to this movie i remember so i didn't i didn't know anything about bonnie tyler uh i just heard this song and i was like what the fuck is this like um yeah but yeah now it's has a happy home on my christmas playlist um (laughs) every year yeah nice yeah that's why i kind of go back to the question of who is this christmas movie for i feel like you have to be a lot older and cynical to really appreciate just a lot of the images and references that are packed into this movie. What is the youngest age you would feel comfortable showing this to? Uh, get them in early. Break that magic down. And <laughs> show, show them that do not be on message boards with strange Santas. Because <laughs> I, I think about that a lot with like movies that are about kids but are more geared towards adults. It's like, if I was a kid... I would probably see myself as the protagonist. Uh, I see it as like some sort of like youth representation. Um, but <laughs> yeah, is this is this totally traumatizing or? Yeah, it does seem really heavy and traumatizing. Like yeah, like the whole dog getting stabbed and yeah, the dog getting stabbed is a bit much. But yeah, think about the dog getting stabbed. Even every like, fucking honestly... Disney movie, like Lion King, the dad dies, Bambi, the mom gets killed. Yeah, I don't know if it's as gratuitous. Well, I don't. It, you could argue that it might be as traumatizing, even if it's off-screen or kind of implied. But yeah, it's, when it's bloody and like very direct, like it is here, it's it's kind of on another level. Did you? So when you watched rated R movies as a kid, which I assume you did, did not. Actually. Oh, you did not. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it took. Uh, I saw a couple. The first rated R movie I ever saw was the South Park movie, and then. I didn't see many until I was, like, in high school, because I was honestly just, like, it wasn't something I really pursued. How old were you when the South Park movie came out? Um, I need, I'm gonna look it up. Did you, like, watch... I was eight. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, so you were eight and you saw the South Park movie? Yeah, it came out, it said, it, well, it came out in 99. I mean, yeah, that's came pretty... Out... I was, I was probably nine years old when That's I saw it. That's pretty young to see a rated R movie. Yeah, honestly, I would even say that nine is still pretty fucking young to watch the South Park movie to really appreciate <laughs> and understand the, like, yeah. what's happening. Because, yeah, I just enjoyed the, the swear words, honestly. That was the only thing I enjoyed watching about it. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like a dope musical that has tons and tons of politics squeeze into it but yeah i just appreciate it for so many different reasons but that was the first movie shout out to my cousin natalia show me that movie when i was nine years old but after seeing that at the age of nine did you 
then begin to watch more rated R movies? No, not really. I mean, I saw some horror movies that really, like, freaked me out, and so I kind of stayed away from it and just stuck to animation and, you know, adventure sci-fi type of things. I was really, really into Star Wars. That was the yeah. main thing. Okay. Like, yeah, I wasn't able to watch horror or other things like that, so Star Wars was the huge thing for me, and then, yeah, uh, it's got huge, a little bit too big for me, and then I stepped away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I, the rule was that I was allowed to watch a rated R movie as long as it was rated R for violence and not for sex. So, okay, that's, that's a very fair rule. I would definitely, if, eventually if I ever have kids, that, that'd be the rule. As long as so it was like, I was allowed to watch, <laughs> but like, I wasn't watching like horror stuff necessarily. I was watching like Jackie Chan movies. Like, oh, it's a Jackie Chan movie. He's just punching, kicking yeah. people. Like it's rated yeah, R or Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... I'm not sure. I saw The Arrival as a kid. Is that rated R? The uh, movie with Charlie Sheen. Mm. Let me see. I don't know if I've seen that. I think it is, because I think that does have some sex. Oh, it's PG-13. Wow. Uh, that movie uh, fucked me up as a kid. I saw that when I was no. in the third grade. Have you? Ever, are you familiar with this movie at all? No. It's like an alien invasion movie. I was terrified of aliens as a kid. Because and this is not to be confused with Arrival from no, not 2016. With, yeah, not not at all. Uh, yeah, 2016, twenty years later, <laughs> I was terrified of uh, aliens in twenty sixteen. Um, <laughs> no, but when I was in the third grade, I watched The Arrival with Charlie Sheen, uh, and it's like an alien invasion movie. Uh, the aliens, their legs—they disguise themselves as humans, and then their legs bend backwards, and then that's when you realize that they're an alien in disguise. Yeah. Um, so, like, this came out around the same time that, like, X-Files was really big on TV, and also, um, uh, The Alien Autopsy was on Fox, and so... Okay, Just, okay. like, all three of these things together, it was, like, I was terrified of aliens. I think Fire in the Sky was probably around that time also. Uh, okay, okay. And that was probably on TV. But, uh, yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah. So, I, I didn't really delve into horror too much probably because of how i reacted to a pg-13 alien movie but um fair enough yeah i mean sometimes like the body stuff can really like i'm really into body horror now but back in the like when i was younger anything related to people getting hurt or stuff like that was always something to kind of push me away even if it was just like something as the knees bending backwards that would yeah i would would lose sleep for sure seriously man (laughs) Uh, i remember going to school and just like telling all the kids about it um (laughs) but so what yeah so what do you think is a good age for horror movies um i honestly i would have to say the younger the better because that's when it's (laughs) the most that's when it's the most effective i remember when i saw when i was at a friend's house and they were watching it and it yeah. the the move that came out in like ninety six or something right? Uh, I'm not sure, but I can look it up. I'm um, looking on IMDb right now. Um, yeah, I remember the first time I saw that. It came out in ninety. Like, yeah. In ninety, okay, yeah. yeah. So I don't remember exactly what the context was, but I was for sure really young, like four or five, and like there's like older kids watching it and I was just like freaked out and I remember going into the other room and like like should I, like, should I hide in the closet? I feel like the closet might be the same place to hide in. And I like remember having this moment of like, where should I go? But yeah, like remember being physically affected by that and that physical reaction is something that is more prone to the younger side. As I get older and more jaded, I'm like watching the movie as like 
a filmmaker, as a writer, yeah. or as like you know, it's kind of more broken down, and so it takes a lot to kind of really get me to that weird space where I can get scared, and so that's why I really appreciate stuff like I don't know, Hereditary and Midsummer and stuff like that that can just get really eerie and psychological, but. As far think, as like just straight up scaring kids if, or scaring the viewer, if you're young, if you can get to watch it, watch it because <laughs> that's when it'll be the most effective. I think, uh, and also, I feel like you'll forget details over time, which makes it feel more like a dream, dreamy memory sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel there's like so much like violence and like particular things, images that are like shocking and so like shock value. I'm like, okay, I don't need that part, but the the feeling in the atmosphere those kind of things i feel like are if you get that a little bit earlier on it kind of latches on i think um a phenomenon that i had as a kid which i think is probably dying out as we switch to um cord cutting and streaming services but a phenomenon that i experienced as a kid is you get exposed to horror just from flipping the channels and so yeah yeah kind like, of stumbling onto it yeah and so and if you're stumbling into the middle of something you don't necessarily have all of the context for why something horrific is happening on screen so your imagination is filling in these gaps and it makes it even worse um yeah like seeing like parts of the shining on tv and not understanding i don't i don't remember the last time i've seen shining from beginning to end i don't know if i've ever actually seen it from beginning to end i know i've huh certainly very familiar with it because of pop culture and from having seen fragments of it as a child Same. But, uh, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like that with kubrick a lot of kubrick movies where i've like i've seen 80 percent of it <laughs> over the yeah. course of <laughs> a couple of years and then like uh i remember seeing the movie this terrible movie called ticks as a kid i think it was on like upn or something um it's i i just know clint howard isn't it <laughs> and there are these giant mutated ticks that attack people <laughs> And it's just really campy. And I remember really liking it as a kid. Um, so I think I was turned on to, uh, like, campy, cheesy horror, at least, I could handle. Totally. Um, and then it's like, I don't know, as a kid I read, like, scary stories to tell in the dark. Which, like, the um, illustrations in that are really freaky. I was reading, like, Edgar Allan Poe. and. Um, so, and yeah, then... that's, that's, that's way cooler. Yeah, I was like a power rangers kid i was more like yeah it's like fun stuff lighthearted stuff and if i ever saw that darker and, scarier stuff it's always like really really strange but then uh i also remember like doom was really big when i was in like the fifth grade uh and nice. so you're playing a shooter where you're wandering around hell um and i remember playing that like years later in high school and it freaked me out in high school uh just the degree to which uh they were willing to make it shocking by having like mutate mutilated bodies like hanging from walls and shit like that uh, yeah a lot of the uh art direction especially in the more newer one like you kind of have your main path but if you stumble upon or if you happen upon another corner or corridor you will have you'll see some very strange <laughs> yeah. ritualistic mutilations of things and it's just like the it's yeah it's one of those things where this is horror and you kind of see all those really dark images i was gonna mention i just remembered as a young kid stumbling upon uh a friday the 13th movie this is for sure jason Voorhees like killing someone attached to a tree and like he had like a rope or a cloth and he was just like twisting it and like the person was attached to the tree and just like slowly got like i don't know strangled or something and that image was like dang i didn't sleep i was like 
really young. And I remember on the way home, I was just like, dang, like Jason Voorhees is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. And never went back to those movies until I was older. And I was like, okay, oh, yeah, these are more like campy, easier movies to get. These movies aren't really that scary at all. Uh, should we get into like our wrap up? Yeah, yeah. Sounds uh, good. Yeah, so uh, what have you been watching lately? Um, honestly, because of Chadwick Boseman passing away, I kind of watched some Chadwick Boseman movies. I've yeah. been meaning to watch Defy Bloods. That came out a little bit earlier this year. Yeah, I still need it's, to see uh, that. It's it's good. It's a slow burn. It's a very, very good movie. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, it's it really took me by surprise. It's a unique kind of war movie. I saw I feel it. like Spike. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I feel like it's one of those things that Spike Lee is really good at telling. It's a a black angled war story from you know Vietnam issues to current issues. He kind of taps on it all really well. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's directed nicely too. Uh, yeah, I yeah I rewatched Malcolm X recently. Okay, and I was just thinking about like Spike Lee is one of those directors where everything he does feels very like intentional um like and very yeah. like thought out um <laughs> it doesn't feel like he's someone who is just oh we'll get this shot to for coverage <laughs> like it's like we'll get this shot because the shot is necessary um yeah yeah he has his own kind of visual flares but he also is very very sharp on juxtaposition and editing and yeah, Black Klansman isn't a perfect movie, but the latter half of that movie gets me extremely emotional because it taps in on the love of film and the, just, like, black pride and kind of the combination of those visuals and being like, yo, like, uh, Birth of a Nation and, like, that montage of that and the yeah. kind of the Emmett, Emmett Till imagery was just really striking and really bold, and I appreciated that. And so there's a lot of that in Defy Bloods, and Defy Bloods is a very, very, very different movie from Malcolm X and all of any other Spike Lee movie, but it's it's also, like, it has his energy in it. You know, you can kind of get that radical, uh, that radical feeling from watching it. Um... I heard a good quote from him. I don't recall the quote exactly, but it was about Chadwick Boseman. It was uh, talking about casting him for The Five Bloods and how mm -hmm. he was like, this character is supposed to be larger than life. This character was supposed to be like a superhero. So who do you cast for that? You cast the guy who played Jackie Robinson, uh, <laughs> James Brown, and T'Challa. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never saw the James Brown movie, but I remember watching 42. 42 is good. Um, yeah, he, his career is, is spans a lot of different roles and a lot of different characters. So I, I appreciate him very much as an actor and miss, miss the hell out of yeah, him. Yeah, really uh, twenty one. Yeah, it sucks so much. I watched 21 Bridges, and 21 Bridges is like not a great movie, but I feel like in hindsight, I think we'll be able to appreciate kind of just like the campiness of it. It's like a really like sloppy law and order mm. movie but it gets really gory and violent it's the dialogue is really cheesy it's got jk Sim simmons in it and so if you ever need like a good popcorn movie to kind of waste an hour and a half <laughs> 21 bridges has some interesting moments in it so yeah I, I i give that a recommendation too yeah it's crazy like how much because i feel like i didn't know who he was until uh civil war black uh captain america civil war yeah. and 
that came out the year he was diagnosed. So he had shot it before he was diagnosed. But yeah, like ev- everything I'm familiar with was made while he had cancer, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's the interesting thing because like I was like, okay, I want to watch as many things and kind of go through that filmography and just kind of get more familiar with his work. But I was also like... I don't really want to watch a lot of Marvel movies right now, so I kind <laughs> yeah. of want to watch them more, like, weird, even if it's, like, you know, quote-unquote a bad or, you know, not well-reviewed movie. I want to watch the more obscure stuff in his, yeah. his work. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, like, checking out, I don't know, <laughs> some older stuff, Marshall or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, it sucks. Um, anything else you've been watching? Um... I watched John Wick 3 the other day, and it was freaking incredible. I, I kind of was putting it off because I hadn't seen the first two uh, until... Wait, you haven't? Mid- okay, okay. Well, uh, I'll rewind. I hadn't seen any John Wick movie until, like, last year, and then I was like, okay, I want to watch the first one and the second one, and I liked the first one a lot, and the second one I was kind of lukewarm on, but the third one was, like, fucking insane. Yeah. It's like a guitar solo or something of... <laughs> that's that's a that's such a, a great way to describe <laughs> that movie because yeah it's like one of those things where it starts off at a plateau of energy and it never dips below that and it just kind of just holds this oh god that this it's exa- it's exhausting it. though like yeah I, yeah I, I have some gripes with it I would say it's probably like 20 30 minutes a little too long but like it, it, yeah action movies kind of get into that territory where they want to show off the choreography and i look the cast was fantastic so i was like all right if you guys yeah. want to be long-winded with it fine <laughs> like like this is the third movie take me to cairo you know take take me like i'm I'm there with it i'm really hoping he gets carrie ann moss for the next one and that's so yeah. like all of the matrix people are slowly like reunited yeah, fucking Lawrence Fishburne is so like, yeah. him like sliced up with a stitch face. His performance is so big, but it's like <laughs> yeah. fucking whatever. It's Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> yeah, the whole series is like big and like grandiose and like has so much like weight and like they very they they think they're so cool. Like the, I, I love how like the John Wick universe thinks John Wick is the coolest thing of all time, and yeah. so. Yeah, he, like I mean, he he's Keanu Reeves. He has the charisma; it bleeds through. He's he's fantastic. I mean, I'm not stoked about you know something like Bill and Ted, but if they pulled out John Wick Four, I'll be there for it. And like one of the refreshing things about it is that it's like this big, like blockbuster action series that it takes itself seriously. It's not doing like so many of these movies. They're doing the Marvel thing where it's like we need to add quips to I guess break up the. Uh, you know, add some variety to the tone or something like that, make him feel more dynamic. But this is yeah. like a movie that like it knows it's really fucking cool. That's all it needs to do. Like it just needs to be convinced that it's cool. And as long as it's convinced that it's cool, you'll be convinced that it's cool. Uh, yeah, and that's one thing. I, one thing I like mentioned about it that actually kind of ties into um, uh, sorry, Deadly Games, <laughs> this crazy Santa movie we were talking about earlier is. I appreciate when kind of dialogue and things are kind of drawn back and the visuals are able to speak for themselves. And so yeah. for this movie to kind of, there are some very talky expositional moments, but for the most part it's just sequence to sequence to sequence of just like the fastest paced, like well choreographed action you'll ever see. And it's 
extremely brutal. So yeah, I was like eating breakfast, and I was like, I don't know if I should be eating like a cinnamon roll right now while John is stabbing people in the eye. Like yeah. it's really hardcore. And so yeah, it kind of I was in a, in a certain mood, and it drew me in and really kind of draw. It, it demands attention. Um, other things I watched, I saw New Mutants on Friday. Oh, I was going to see that at the drive-in. I saw it at the drive-in. Did week. you see it at, at Concord you were going to go? Uh, out here in Concord? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw it. We, oh, we got to go. We got to go. We got to make, <laughs> make a whole thing about it. I mean, yeah, next time there's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, because there's New Mutants and Unhinged, and I was like, I don't want to watch either of these. <laughs> yeah, I was just like dying to see something new on a large screen, so I was like, all right, fuck it, New Mutants, it's on. Like, it's, it's, I can confirm it sucks. Uh, <laughs> it's like Anya Taylor Joy and like the Stranger Things guy, they have kind of weird accents in the movie that they don't pull off very well hmm, okay uh, the movie sort of like ramps up uh, the character dynamics without like i don't know it like introduces conflict between characters without really earning that conflict so it just kind of feels like hokey like 80s bu- bully bullshit um hmm. I, I wonder if that's because of just it being in the editing incubation stage for so long after it was done. Yeah, I mean, they said they wanted to do reshoots. So they were going to do reshoots. Uh, reshoots got delayed. Fox. Yeah, there was also a debate about the tone, you know, whether to go, like, horror or more mainstream, right? Yeah. And then, like, Fox got sold to Disney, so that delayed things. Coronavirus happened. Uh, so then I think they just decided to release I don't think the reshoots actually happened. Um, and so watching the movie, it feels like, yeah, it could have benefited from some things, but I, I also, I just think the central like conflict isn't that interesting enough. Um, hmm. I don't know. It's what it is, whatever. It, it came out finally after two years. Uh, yeah. I like the trailer a lot back when it first dropped. It, it definitely had that interest. But like I said, on a couple episodes before, like I've been really burnt out on superhero things. And so, yeah just just the fact that it's superheroes isn't really enough to draw me in so the tone and the horror aspect of it was kind of intriguing but yeah at least it was trying yeah. something new and yeah. yeah i might check it out still because yeah they're playing that and unhinged and if fucking they... Mel, uh, not, not mel gibson russell crowe yeah russell crowe <laughs> yeah. is one of those i thought like... i said gerard butler before and like <laughs> yeah I, I always get them confused um, should have an expendables of like problematic older white guys like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mel Gibson, <laughs> Russell Crowe. Uh, what did Russell Crowe do? <laughs> oh, he got in a fight uh, with someone, right? Yeah, I don't know if he got in a fight or like. Uh, I feel like he might have said something. I could be totally wrong. Okay. But did he throw a f- South Park? I, made he fun threw of a him. phone at someone or something, didn't he? I don't know. Something. I I feel like if I yeah googled it, they'd provide the answer. Um. But yeah, if if they play Bill and Ted at the drive-in, we should go. I'd be down. Yeah, I'm also kind of curious about Tenet too. I'm kind of hunting down oh, yeah. where to watch that. Mixed reviews, but I, I if I can see it, I'd be interested in seeing it. Yeah, something. To see. I mean, the lack of theaters has shown me, like, how, like, going to the theater is such a large part of why I see these movies like yeah yeah if it because if tenet is out on streaming it's competing with literally everything else that's on streaming and 
so it's just like it's flattening the experience versus like if tenants out in theaters it's like okay well now i have a choice like i know i want to go see to go to the theaters i have a choice of what i'm going to watch i'm going to watch tenant um yeah i don't know that was a very poor way of putting all that but you get it. no, no I, t- <laughs> I totally see it yeah it, it, like if it's a big movie it can totally eclipse kind of what's available on the regular streaming services i feel like that's going to happen when mulan comes out and it's going to be mainly on disney plus i feel like you know if you're a smaller but it's smaller like thing. so what i'm saying is if tenet is on streaming i'm probably not going to watch tenet because it's competing with literally everything else like totally totally it's yeah, all yeah. It's, it's detrimental to its own own thing yeah but if it's at a theater it's like there's only so many things that are at a theater and i know i want to go to a theater uh, because going is half the fun or perhaps a majority of the fun i don't know yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, going is the main draw that would have gotten me out to see Unhinged, which I would have not watched in any other circumstance. But yeah. if I can go and watch Unhinged while I'm in my car and I can <laughs> pretend that I'm Russell Crowe too, then yeah. Yeah, like if New Mutants <laughs> came out during normal circumstances, I would not have seen New Mutants. But because I'm so yeah. starved for like new content uh, in something close to resembling a theater, then I went to see it. Um, so yeah, I think that about wraps things up. Uh, do you want right. to sign off? Sure. All right. Well, we had a good conversation about deadly games and some other things that came out this week. I'm gonna say rest in peace to Chad, Chadwick Boseman. You Absolutely. know, just because feel good about saying that, and we will miss you. And we have more movies to watch, and we will be back next week. We haven't decided what we're gonna watch, but. We will be back next week with another oh, movie. No, Thank we're going to be back with uh, the next episode of the the Purge, right? Uh, oh, I, I thought I was going to pick something, and then we pick a Purge movie after that. Or did I get the the order wrong? Um, I was thinking it would be like Purge. One of us does one. Purge. The other one does one. Purge. The other. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Then yes, catch us back next week. We will be talking about the Purge anarchy because you know. The Purge isn't just about, you know, one affluent family in the house. It's all about the streets of Los Angeles. So we're going to talk about that. Yeah. And I feel like even without having seen it, I know that there's going to be a lot to say just because <laughs> the world is fucking crazy right now and it feels kind of timely. So I'm saying yeah. the Purge is, is going to be the most relevant franchise moving forward yeah, as unfo- our government disintegrates. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Until next yeah. time. Merry Christmas Don't change kids, stay with us Stay a little Jesus Hold on to my hand It's not a long way To fly, you know Don't fly in vain It's so hard anyway To become a man Happy birthday Christmas